Welcome to this week's virtual drasha. And this week we have the incredible privilege to read Parashas Va'ira. In the beginning of the parasha, Kodesh Baruch Hu gives Moshe Rabbeinu the script. He gives him the exact words with which to deliver a message of salvation to Am Yisrael. Words that were there to inspire, words that were there to uplift, and words which were meant to convey a vision. Not just a vision ultimately of redemption and emancipation, but a vision of a beautiful, glorious future. In fact, again, this speech is so powerful that on the night of Pesach at Lel HaSeder, we go ahead and we drink four cups of wine corresponding to the Arba L'Shono Shalgulo, to the four expressions of freedom. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is in Parak Vav. In Parak Vav, chapter 6, Pasuk Vav, verse 6. So, go and tell the Jewish people, I am Hashem, I will take you out of Egypt. I will save you. I will redeem you. I will take you to me as a people. And ultimately, I will bring you to Eretz Yisrael. I will go and bring you to the land that I've outstretched my hand. I will bring you to the land that I promised to the others. And I will give it to you as an inheritance, as a possession. I am Hashem. An incredible message. An incredible message. Again, a message, you'll be emancipated. A message, I'm going to redeem you. A message, you're going to be mine. And a message, you have a destiny. You have a future. You have Eretz Yisrael. Kalal Yisrael's response, Vaidabra Moshe Kenel B'nei Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu says, exact words. Remember again, Moshe does not deviate from the script. He gives over the words exactly as HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him, V'lo shamu al Moshe mikotza ruach kasha. But the Jewish people did not listen to Moshe Rabbeinu literally from a shortness of breath and from hard work. Hard work. Rashi HaKadosh understands that they were just so consumed by their work that they just they couldn't even pay attention to Moshe. You know, it's like if you ever have a hard day, right? You have a million things you have to do. Someone comes to you, boss, I've got the best idea. It's going to make you a million dollars. You say, okay, you know what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Right now, I got to get through this pile. Now, I, you might be missing out on a million dollar idea. You might be missing out on something incredible. But sometimes when there's just too much going on, you just don't have the bandwidth to hear anything else. But the Meshechachma says something absolutely amazing. The Meshechachma writes, he says, at the end of the day, when Moshe said, Votzisi, I'm going to take you out. Klal Yisrael is good. When he says, Vietzalti, I'm going to save you. Good. Lakachti, I'm going to take you to, mine, to, to me as a people. We're going to have a relationship. Says the Meshachach Masami, absolutely amazing. When does Moshe Rabbeinu lose Klal Yisrael? At what point in time do they just tune out from the message? When Moshe Rabbeinu says, V'hevesi. When he says, I'm going to take you to Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to give you a land. You're going to be a free people, a people of destiny, who will chart the course of your life. That's when Klal Yisrael, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Shamuel Moshe. Eretz Yisrael, land, destiny, free. I don't know, I don't understand what you're saying. That's when they tune Moshe Rabbeinu out. Listen to the words of the Meshechachma. The Meshechachma writes, Berish, inyan havo'ali Eretz Yisrael. It was when Moshe Rabbeinu shared with them the vision of Eretz Yisrael. That's when they tuned out Velo Shamu Moshe, they couldn't listen. Because of Kotzer Ruach, shortness of breath and hard work, says the Meshechachma. Ki derech keshi yom. Asidos. 
Says the Meshachach, when someone is suffering, all they want to hear is that the suffering is going to come to an end. All they want to hear, all they want to hear is that my difficulties are going to come to an end. That's, that's the only message I can absorb. I can absorb to go ahead and tell me that, oh yeah, of course, you're going to survive, you're going to have a relationship. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be a free people in a free land. You're going to be masters of your own destiny. One day, one day, not only will you be free, but you will have a land. You have... I don't even know what you're talking I can't hear that message. I don't have the bandwidth. The Meshachachma providing such a profound psychological insight. When a person is suffering, all they have the ability to absorb is a message that my suffering will end. That's the furthest my vision goes. Any more than that, I cannot see. Any more than that, I cannot believe. Therefore, ultimately, again, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Meshachachma goes on, we're not going to get into Meshachachma goes on, and says, that's why second round, Moshe Rabbeinu reframes the message. If you notice again after this, Moshe Rabbeinu does not talk about Eretz Yisrael anymore. He talks about freedom. He talks about end of servitude. He speaks about leaving Egypt. But there is no more discussion about Eretz Yisrael until later on. Because Moshe Rabbeinu understood they could not hear it. You know, I remember my grandmother, Zichron Levracha, who survived the Holocaust, would often say, that, and Baruch Hashem, she was privileged, she was privileged, to see Baruch Hashem children and grandchildren. And Baruch Hashem, she was able to see a beautiful family of Torah, of Shmiras Mitzvahs. And she said, you know, if somebody would have ever told me that I was going to have a family, that I was going to marry and have children, have grandchildren, they told me, which they would have told me this in Auschwitz, I would have never believed them. Would have never believed them. And she said, the most maybe I could wrap my head around is that I would survive. That maybe even, even that was so improbable. But the notion that I would survive and rebuild, and not just rebuild, but rebuild something magnificent, would not have believed it for all the money in the world. That's what the Meshachachma is saying. It's not the Pshat that Klal Yisrael rejected Moshe, or rejected his message, or rejected HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They were unable to absorb that message, for they were so mired in their suffering. They were so mired in their circumstances that all they could see was the amelioration of their pain. All they could see is the removal of their shackles. That was the furthest their vision extended. Nothing beyond that. Moshe Rabbeinu had them until Vehevesi. Once Vehevesi came along, he lost them. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what you're talking about. It sounds so beautiful, sounds so wonderful, but you might as well be speaking Japanese. You can't understand what you're saying. It, it, does, it doesn't make a difference. And Moshe Rabbeinu reframes the message. And the Meshachachim is teaching us such an incredibly profound idea that when a person is mired in suffering, and by the way, suffering is a relative term. Suffering doesn't have to be bondage in Egypt. When a person is mired in difficult circumstances, they often lose any type of foresight. They lose any type of vision. All they could see is the most I could see is the removal of my current shackles, the removal of my current difficulties. Anything beyond that, I simply don't have the ability to observe. You know, there's a beautiful story that's told about the great tzaddik, the Magid, Ramnacham of Chernobyl. Ramnacham of Chernobyl lived from 1770 to 1837. And the story is told that one time the Magid was traveling and he, he spent the night at the inn of a simple Jew. Okay, accommodations were fine. <coughs> the Magid is checked in. Everybody goes to sleep. Now, the Magid used to recite Tikkun Chatzos. 
So Tikkun Chatzos, of course, is the tefillah that we say over the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. We say it in the middle of the night. And again, the tefillah mourns for that which has been lost, but also goes ahead and is an anticipatory prayer for Amir Hashem, the restoration of the Temple. And the Magid lost himself. He just lost himself in Tikkun Chatzos. And he begins crying and sobbing and mourning what we once had, but unfortunately no longer possess. And the innkeeper is startled. He wakes up. He hears the Magid, his illustrious guest, is sobbing. He runs over to the Magid's room, pushes open the door, sees the Magid sitting on the floor sobbing, his head in his hands, a torrent of tears. It's Rebbe, Rebbe, what's wrong? What, you, don't, you don't like the mattress, you didn't like the food, you're not feeling Whatever it is, tell me what's wrong. And the Magid says, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to wake you. I was saying Tikkun Chatzos. To which the simple innkeeper says, Rebbe, if I could ask you, what's Tikkun Chatzos? So he says, you know, we used to have a Beis HaMikdosh. And the innkeeper was such an ignorant man. He said, Rebbe, Beis HaMikdosh, she looks, you've never heard of it. So the Rebbe takes the, the hands of the precious simple Jew and he says, let me tell you about the Beis HaMikdash. And he begins to tell him all of the Gemaras and the Midrashim and the Agadi Chazal and the Ma'amari Chazal, all about the beauty of the Beis HaMikdash. And the Rebbe says, but you know, one day Mashiach is going to come in Yerat Hashem. We're going to rebuild the third Beis HaMikdash and we're all going to go back to Eretz Yisrael. So the Rebbe looks at the innkeeper, the name was Yankel. Yankel, tell me, when the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, Mashiach is here. Are you going to come back with me to Yerushalayim? So Yankel is a good innkeeper. He says, Rebbe, it's a good kasha. It's a good question. Let me ask my wife. So he leaves. He leaves. He goes to speak to his wife for a little bit. He comes back to the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, I discussed it with my wife and I told her all about the Beis HaMikdash, all about Mashiach, all about redemption, Geula. And she said, you know, the problem is we have an inn. We have an inn. This is our Paranasa. So if we go ahead and we leave the inn, so who is going to take care of the guests? We also have chickens, we have cows, we have goats, we have sheep. Who's going to take care of everything? So the Rebbe says, my dear Yankel, my dear innkeeper, but here you have so much persecution. There's the Cossacks, there's pogroms, there's all this craziness over here. You never know when the Cossacks are going to come bursting in. Because who knows what's going to happen? So tell me, isn't it worth it? To leave behind the inn, to leave, you'll find a new partner in Eretz Yisrael. Isn't it better to leave all of this stuff behind? You don't have to worry about the Cossacks. The innkeeper listens, Rebbe, you know, he's saying good. He's saying good, let me go ask my wife again. So he goes back, he talks with his Rebison. He comes back a few minutes later, he says, Rebbe, my wife had an excellent idea. She said that maybe when Mashiach comes and the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, you could take the Cossacks back to Yerushalayim and we'll just stay here and enjoy our simple life. We often chuckle when we hear this story, but what a profound idea, because Yankel, the simple innkeeper, was just like our ancestors in Egypt. That when you live with persecution, you live with difficulty, you live with challenge, often all you could see is maybe, 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 someone's going to remove my shackles, someone's going to remove my difficulties, and life will be good, life will be simple. But often we lack any type of a dramatic vision. Klal Yisrael couldn't see the notion of Eretz Yisrael. And Yankel, the simple innkeeper, could not imagine a Beis Hamikdash, a rebuilt temple, all of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. The most he could envision is a nice, simple existence with his inn and with his chickens and with his goats and with his guests and no Cossacks. That's the most he could imagine. 
And dear friends, how often do we find ourselves in the same exact situation? You know, very often, the day-to-day -day realities of life are overwhelming. It, it's true. I mean, and I, obviously, of course, all the more so today with the pandemic and with all of this political unrest and all of this craziness, our lives are stressful. And to make a parnosa, to make a livelihood, and if you have to support a family, and you have to pay tuitions, and you have all, the, all, all brachas, but creates incredible stress. Incredible stress. And to keep a healthy marriage in today's day and age requires an incredible amount of work. And to keep my children on the derech, to try, I can't keep anyone anywhere, but to try to inspire my children to want to be good Jews. Overwhelming task. And you put all of these things together, and even if you don't have any of these aforementioned challenges, everybody has their challenges. And often, we are so overwhelmed by the challenges of day-to-day -day life that we lack vision. We lack vision. Who do we want to be? What do I want to become? You know, it is so easy to settle into the rhythms of life. Because I settle into my rhythm, I get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner. And of course, again, I go to Shira, I dive in, I do all the wonderful things. But we get into a rhythm, and the rhythm becomes an ongoing cycle, day after day after day. And it could be that I'm leading a very good life and a very meaningful life. But do I ever think, stop and think for a second, is there something bigger? Is there something better? Is there something different. And when I say different, bigger, better, it doesn't mean demolishing and imploding everything you've built. But sometimes we get into the rhythm. You know, our ancestors in Egypt, they got into a rhythm. It just happened to be their rhythm was slavery. Their rhythm was slavery. So the most good they could see was a stoppage of the slavery. And Yankel, the innkeeper, also got into a rhythm. Right? What was his rhythm? Guests come, pogroms come, Cossacks come, persecution comes, then times of... times of serenity and peace, and there's a cycle, and there's a cycle. So the most I could see is get rid of the Cossacks. And so many times in life, you know, we just have such short-sighted goals and short-sighted aspirations and dreams. We just lack vision. We lack vision, not because we don't care about vision, not because we, are not, not because we aren't visionary people, but sometimes I just get so weighed down by the realities of day-to-day -day life, that I forget that I have a destiny, that I forget that I have a future, that I forget that I possess co-hosts, that I could accomplish something great. We just can't hear it. And I, somebody's going to tell you in a virtual drasha that you possess co-hosts, you possess abilities, you possess a destiny. I'm sorry, I can't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I can't, I can't hear it. It's enough that I took a couple of minutes to listen to this drasha. I, I, already, now I'm behind. Now I'm behind. Now there's a million more things to do. Our ancestors rejected Moses, Moshe's message not because they did not believe, not because they lacked faith in Moshe or in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They were unable to hear. I don't know what you're talking about. Because after enough time of being weighed down with the realities of life, day-to-day -day life, you simply lose the ability to think bigger and to think better. And this becomes our avoda, because we are all weighed down with the realities of life. That is just 
the reality of life. And it's always, it's the nature of the human condition. No one I know has time to just sit back and think about, hmm, what's my destiny? I mean, there are some people I know like that. And, and Bar Hashem, some people use their time, some people don't use their time. But most of us don't have that luxury. But we have to be careful not to settle into our day-to-day routines to the point that we forget to have vision, that we forget to dream, that we forget about our destiny. We have to do whatever we can to not repeat the mistakes of our ancestors and to not fall into the short-sighted mindset of Yankul the innkeeper. Our ancestors could not see anything beyond the extrication from their current circumstances. Let us learn from their mistakes and be more broad-minded. Let us learn from their mistakes and ultimately learn to think about our future. Let us learn from their mistakes and learn to see beyond our current circumstances and to dream about what can be. Wishing everyone a good Nerev Shabbos and a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh.